This is the Read, Write, and Create podcast, the podcast where you get a bite-sized session of creative writing coaching from me, Lori L. Tharps. I'm an award-winning author of both fiction and nonfiction, a journalist, and a former college professor. I've spent more than 20 years writing, teaching, and coaching creative writers, and I created this podcast because I want to help as many BIPOC writers as possible get their stories out of their heads and into the world. So let's get to it. On this episode of the Read, Write, and Create podcast, I'm going to be sharing an important lesson that I really want you to hear. This is not an episode where you need to take notes, but you really need to listen because today I'm giving BIPOC writers your marching orders for your literary life. Today I'm explaining why I believe so strongly that writers of BIPOC heritage have to pick up the pen and write. Why we have to write like our lives depend on it. And I'm going to be using the literary life and times of the Ms. Zora Neale Hurston to help prove my point. Are you ready? Great. Let's go. Hello to all of my wordsmiths, writers, and scribes. I hope your 2023 is getting off to a brilliant start. More specifically, as we're approaching the end of January, I hope you've all figured out how to make time to write in your daily or weekly schedule. If you haven't already, I urge you to listen to last week's episode to learn about the amazing poet Phyllis Wheatley and hear how her life can provide you with the inspiration and blueprint you need to make the time to write in your regular life, even when it feels hard or impossible. Don't forget to ask yourself, when it gets hard and you can't find the time, WWPD. What would Phyllis do? I really want that simple question, WWPD, to work for you in your writing life. You know, I'm not saying that as, you know, something frivolous. It's something that I have adopted myself. I'm trying a new writing routine this year. I am getting up extra early to work on my personal writing projects since I spend the majority of my daytime writing hours writing for other people to pay my bills. Yes, we all have to do it. So I decided that starting in 2023, I was going to get up really early and work on my writing. And that way, I would make sure I give myself two hours to write on my novel before the official day began. But (laughs) my alarm would go off and I would be like super mad and really sleepy and I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to be up before the sun. I didn't think that was fair. But I knew if I didn't get up, if I didn't start this habit, my novel wasn't going to write itself, right? So I laid in my bed and I asked myself, WWPD, what would Phyllis do? And I really meditated on Phyllis Wheatley's life as I was laying there. And I tried to imagine her in the later part of her life living in miserable poverty, suffering day in and day out, working as a chambermaid, being sick, being tired, having two sick children waiting for her at home, and yet still finding the time to write beautiful and nuanced poetry. I'm thinking like that. I'm thinking about Phyllis and her life and what she was willing and able to do. And I was like, Lori, girl, get out of this bed. Go write. Be like Phyllis. And I did. It really helped me to meditate on her life and ask myself, really, if Phyllis Wheatley could 
commit to her writing schedule and her writing and her circumstances, why can't you? And um, ladies and gentlemen, I am now getting up before the sun every morning and writing and I'm loving it and I'm feeling good. So I hope that after listening to last week's episode that you too can be like Phyllis and make the time to write in your life no matter how crazy or complicated your life is. Which leads me to today's topic. Why even bother? I mean, why put forth the effort to write? Does the world really need another novel, another memoir, another critical examination of the history of the United States? Um, If these books, if these novels and memoirs, et cetera, are written by BIPOC authors like yourself, then the answer to that question is yes. Absolutely yes. Let me give you a little context, a little background. So in 2020, the New York Times gathered a list of English language fiction books published between the years 1950 and 2018. Now, the books they were looking at, they decided to kind of figure out how to narrow down the titles they were going to look at. So they really were looking at popular books. In other words, books that were widely read and widely available that were published by the major publishers like Penguin Random House, Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, et cetera, et cetera. So they eventually narrowed down their titles to 7,124 books that they deemed popular, published between 1950 and 2018. And I hope you're sitting down for this. 95% were written by white people. Yep. 95% were written by white people. Now, that was between 1950 and 2018. In 2018, non-Hispanic white people, so that's your, you know, basic white people, made up only 60% of the U.S. population. But in 2018, non-Hispanic white people wrote 89% of the books in the New York Times sample. So by 2018, white people were still authoring 89% of what we consider the popular fiction titles in the United States. That's not a good number, but I know you're saying, but okay, 2020 things really changed. Black Lives Matter 2.0 movement happened. Publishers were making promises that they were going to make changes. So what are the numbers looking like now? Basically, we are seeing improvements. There has definitely been a real commitment by our major publishers to get more authors of color published, but the numbers still aren't where they should be or where we would like them to be. Pankham Random House started tracking numbers for their books that they published, just as an example. And they put out a report that they tracked their authors from 2019 to 2021. And actually, they didn't just do authors. They were calling this contributors. So they were looking at authors, illustrators, and translators. And of the books that Penguin Random House put out between 2019 and 2021, 74.9% were published by white people, okay? And then 23.5% were published by people of color. That's crazy to me. In a nutshell, we need more of our stories. And when I say we, I'm speaking of we in the United States because that's the market I am most aware of and most knowledgeable about. But I know anecdotally and from some basic research that almost everything I'm seeing about the U.S. market is very similar in terms of numbers in the U.K. market as well. So, For today's conversation, imagine that I am speaking of 
the U.S. and the U.K. specifically, but I also know now that I am living in Spain that much of Western Europe probably needs more of our stories, our stories meaning stories by BIPOC writers. So I can't speak definitively on Western Europe's literary market. I'm just going to go out on a limb, but that limb feels like a freaking full-length tree branch that the U.S., the U.K., and Western Europe needs more diverse books. But I know you're saying, why do they need more diverse books? I'm going to tell you. Because books are powerful. The power of the written word cannot be overstated as a tool for disrupting the status quo and for changing both the hearts and the minds, you know, the feelings and the intellectual thoughts of all those who read the work. Literature is one of the greatest antidotes to oppression. I'm serious. It really is. If books weren't so powerful, they wouldn't have started burning them as soon as they were, you know, brought into existence. Literally the first recorded book burning on record is in 213 B.C. Yeah, B.C. That date is recorded. It was actually in China that the earliest official book burning is listed. And um, they're still burning and banning books today. In fact, the U.S. is literally going through a renaissance of book banning right now. What that means is that books are still considered dangerous. What that means is that books can still strike fear in our enemies. What that means is that books are considered to be a formidable opponent to white supremacy and all of its bastard children like racism, sexism, homophobia, and classism. That's why we need to be writing our stories, BIPOC writers. Do you hear me? But our stories aren't only necessary to educate the masses who continue to oppress us and who still don't understand us, but also because our stories cement our existence into the world. They prove we matter. They prove we were here. They document our impact in the world we live in. Nobody is going to tell our stories honestly and fully the way we can. So it really is up to us to tell our stories. And there is one more reason why, and it's the most important reason one, I think, that we need to write our stories. We need to write our stories for ourselves. Yeah, for ourselves. Because we deserve to see our lives, our loves, our cultures, our history, our folktales, our heroes, memorialized, celebrated, and written about with the same energy, thoughtfulness, and nuance as our Caucasian counterparts. And we should be the ones taking the lead in writing these stories because honestly, as you can see by the numbers, by the history, if we don't write these stories, who will? Zora Neale Hurston said it best. She said, if you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. She's saying, if we don't write our truth, somebody else will. And when they write it, they'll write it in a way that is not authentic, it is not accurate, and may in fact be more damaging. So that's why we need to be telling our own stories. Now, I always go back to Zornil Hurston's life when I'm thinking about this missive, this concept of telling Black stories me as a Black woman, as a Black writer, you know, this is appropriate for any BIPOC writer. But Zora Neale Hurston's life, her literary life, is exactly what we need to think about when we're looking for, like, creative encouragement. So 
For those who might not know, Zora Neale Hurston was an author and anthropologist who really cemented her work around Black life. She wrote about Black people. Zora Neale Hurston was born on January 7th, 1891, and her writing career really took off during the Harlem Renaissance in the 1920s. She started off writing short stories, but she blossomed into a novelist, nonfiction writer, journalist, playwright, and ethnographer after studying anthropology at Barnard College. So the reason why Zora Neale Hurston is my model in this question of should I be writing Black stories? Should I always be writing about Black people? Is that too much? Is it overkill? Am I pigeonholing myself? I think about Zora Neale Hurston because she got it. She understood that the importance of documenting and celebrating the lives of Black people was paramount to her own development as a writer and a storyteller and as an anthropologist. And moreover, she wrote about Black people because she wanted to share their genius with the world. She saw the value in examining and exalting the lives of Black people across the diaspora for herself, for other Black people, and for humanity as a whole. Global Black culture was what Zora spent her life invested in. And she was doing this at a time when it was neither popular nor profitable to do so. Writing about Black people in her plays, in her novels, in her journalism, in her anthropology work, that was not something that was going to make her a lot of money. And it actually made her quite a few enemies, you know, important People in the literary world, in the literary community, both Black and white, really criticized her for always talking about Black people and specifically the way she wrote about Black people in their authenticity, often using their local dialects wherever she was writing about people instead of what we would consider whitewashing the work to be more palatable to a mainstream audience. So she was criticized for the subject matter and the way she was doing it. But she made no apologies for her work. She did not change her focus. She said, quote, the richness of Black culture existed to be enjoyed, celebrated, and made into literature. And this is the part that I really want to soak into your heads, is that Zora was not writing about Black people out of like a sense of obligation, right? There was no pain and suffering about her approach to looking at Black life. No, it's very clear. It's very clear from the way she wrote, how she wrote, and the things that she talked about that Zora Neale Hurston found delight in her chosen subjects. One of my favorite quotes of hers is this. She says, quote, I am not tragically colored. There is no great sorrow damned up in my soul, nor lurking behind my eyes. I do not mind at all. I do not belong to the sobbing school of Negrohood who hold that nature somehow has given them a low-down, dirty deal and whose feelings are all hurt about it. No, I do not weep at the world. I am too busy sharpening my oyster knife. Bravo, Miss Zora. Bravo. No crying over here. Mm-mm. I'm not writing about Black people because I feel bad or I feel wrong. I'm writing about Black people because I think Black people are amazing and fascinating and creative and prolific. And I want to talk about their lives and their loves and their histories and their culture. So 
Even though Zora Neale Hurston never achieved financial success as a writer during her 30-year career, she was still considered to be the most prolific Black woman writer in the United States. Prolific people. Many people know Zora Neale Hurston because of her novel, Their Eyes Were Watching God. But you gotta understand, Zora Neale Hurston was a writing machine. In her lifetime, she published four novels, two books of folklore, an autobiography called Dust Tracks on the Road. If you haven't read it, it's fascinating. And hundreds, literally hundreds of articles, short stories, and plays. She traveled all over the American South, interviewing, observing, and writing about Black people. And she didn't stop her work at Black people in the American South. She also traveled all over the Caribbean, particularly in Haiti and Jamaica, to continue this interest, this creativity and curiosity about Black people. And she continuously found new things to write about, new ways to dive into the Black experience. So she never ran out of material. Writer's Block was not a thing for Zora Neale Hurston because she was really just so fascinated by her own people. And she knew that they were a worthwhile subject matter. Like, she knew that. She didn't have to wait for somebody to tell her or to give her permission. She knew. So I want all of you BIPOC writers listening right now to take that inspiration from Zora Neale Hurston, that knowing that your stories are worthwhile. Your stories are not only worthwhile, but they are necessary. We need them. I want you to boldly and unapologetically write the stories of your people. Don't want you to wait for permission or a new trend, you know, like, oh, you know, Asian American stories are hot right now. Latinx stories are hot. People want black stories. Uh Uh-uh, don't wait. I want you to write your memoirs, your novels, your short stories that center the lives of people of color now. We need them now. I want you to tell our histories, even if they're painful. But I also want you to write love stories, like over-the-top love stories and romances where you center people of color as the protagonists and give them their happily ever after. I want you to feel free to put our people in every type of story that you want to tell. I said our people. I meant like your people, okay? Our people, your people, the people of color. Okay, now let me just do a little caveat here. I want to be clear. Let's say you're an Asian American woman and you really want to write about aliens and chupacabras. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm not saying like you're not allowed to write about other things other than your people. Girl, if chupacabras are on your heart, please write about the chupacabras. I do not subscribe to the write what you know school of thought. The message I want you to walk away with today is that you can write about your people. You can put them in the chupacabras and alien story. You can over and over and over again put the person of color at the center of your story. And that still wouldn't be enough to bridge the enormous gulf between books that are published by white authors and books that are published by non-white authors in the marketplace. Remember those statistics I shared earlier? 95% people, for those many years, 95% of the books that were published were authored by white people. So the bottom line is this. We really need more books about and by Black people, Latino people, Asian Americans, Indigenous Americans, mixed people. We need these books circulating in the United States, the UK, Western Europe. You know, you pick the Western country. And for what it's worth, we need more women authors as well. That could be a whole nother podcast episode. But if you're a woman and a BIPOC author, please, girl, write. Write your stories. 
Remember, if you don't write these books, these books that will serve as windows and mirrors into our cultures, these literary legacies that document our existence, who will? I nominate you, listeners. Yes, you who's standing right now in your kitchen washing dishes listening to me. You who are driving the car on your way to pick up your kids from school. You walking your dog listening to me right now. Be like Zora, be unapologetic, be prolific, and tell our stories. We all need diverse stories. We all need diverse books. I need them. Young people need them. Future generations need them. Our older generations need them, maybe more than we even realize, particularly our older generations who never saw themselves centered in stories that they were forced to read. White people need our stories. Our stories are needed, period. So please, pick up your pens, plug in your computers, grab a pencil if that's your vibe, and tell our stories. Okay? That's all I got. Class dismissed. I hope this coaching session left you inspired and motivated to write. I hope you feel a deeper connection and commitment to your literary projects and practice. If you're interested in learning more about the incredible and inspiring life of Zora Neale Hurston, I highly recommend reading Valerie Boyd's masterful biography of Zora titled Wrapped in Rainbows. I'll leave a link in the show notes where you can buy the book. Also, Earlier this month, PBS released a new documentary about Zora Neale Hurston called Zora Neale Hurston, Claiming a Space. So I'm leaving a link in the show notes where you can look up the screening times on your local PBS stations. The Read, Write, and Create podcast is produced by me, Lori L. Tharps. Our editor is Brad Linder, and our theme music was created by Wattaboy. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That way, you won't miss a single episode. And if you're looking for more creative writing inspiration, writing prompts, and useful resources for your literary life, be sure to check out all of the amazing content on the Read, Write, and Create website at readwriteandcreate.com. That's Read, Write, and create.com. And while you're there, you can also sign up for my Read, Write, and Create bi-monthly newsletter. Finally, if you know any other BIPOC writers who might need a creative pep talk, could you please share this show with them? Thank you. I'll be back in two weeks on Monday. Until then, keep writing.